Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Lord, I ask that you be with us this, this day, that you God us with the Holy Spirit, that you open our hearts and the hearts of the audience to hear whatever message that, that he might have to speak. We give you all the glory as we pray. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Excited to have Mr. Preston Gary. He is from Richard, Louisiana, parishioner at St. Edwards and a fellow Cursiesta. Welcome to the show, Preston. Thank you. All right, our co-host today is my man. Welcome to the show, Mr. Kevin LeBlanc. Hey, man, what's happening? Good to be back. Yes, he was a guest uh, not long ago and wonderful man and testimony and just proud to have him as a friend. And So, uh, Preston, this show is about you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I was born and raised in Lake Arthur. My junior year of high school, I moved and went to Louisiana School for Math, Science, and Arts up in Natchitoches. And... I uh, got kicked out with four days left to go, <laughs> and I was too embarrassed to go back to Lake Arthur for my senior year, so I moved in with my grandparents in Erath, did my senior year there. I went to LSU on scholarship, quit LSU, just wanted to take a semester off. My daddy said, you better get an apartment, you ain't coming to live at home. <laughs> so I said, all right, well, I went and joined the Marine Corps, and um, had too much fun there and got kicked out the Marine Corps. But when I got back home, uh, I went to work with my father in a met my wife and then September 11th happened. And September oh, wow. 11th really uh, scared me because on TV they started Nostradamus this, Nostradamus that. And I was like, man, I, I better look in that Bible and see what it says. So that really started my journey of, of trying to find out what my faith was, trying to learn my faith. You know, I was born and raised Catholic, but you know, as, as a Catholic, you, you know, you, you do everything in motion by habit unless you really soundly catechized. I had good examples of faith in my family, but, but like a family that truly lived the faith, you know, it was almost like a unicorn. And unless you would see it or witness it, you know, you almost wouldn't believe it. I started working on some tugboats, and I was working with a guy that had a degree from Syracuse in New York, an older gentleman, and he turned me on to theology. And really, I, I took to it. I started out with, with Scott Hahn and Thomas Aquinas and, you know, uh, Thomas Kempis, people like that. And it just, I just couldn't get enough of it. And I, I consumed it like a sponge for, for two or three years. But the problem was I didn't have any, any kind of director, so to speak. So I, I didn't know how to get from point A to point B. So, you know, you'd read the saints and you would see the way that they criticized, you know, uh, they examined, you know, their lives. And I'm like, man, that's, that's like a different sport than what I'm playing. That's you right. Know? That's um, intense. <laughs> it, it was intense. So I got discouraged. Eventually, uh, changing professions, I started going offshore, and I, I met a, a guy that wound up sponsoring me for Casillo, and he, he pursued me five years to go to Casillo before I said yes. And when I met Casillo, Casillo gave me the tools, or made me aware of the tools, and taught me the truths that, you know, uh, I, I'd, I'd not absorbed, you know, during my catechism. You know, a lot of times we get confirmed, and we think that's it, we graduated. You know, well, that's just the beginning. So really, really, Cursillo taught me all, all these all these truths and, you know, the responsibilities that were given, you know, when we're confirmed, but showed me the tools and, and gave me a support group to get from point A to point B. Now, I'm kind of stubborn, so I, you know, I looked at that, and it, it was kind of a radical change from, from who I was at the time, and I was, man, there's no way I can do all that, you know. 
so for six years I, I really didn't do very much with it until I got tired of the man in the mirror and and then I had a few catalysts but really started living that method that I was taught and you know everything changed everything became fruitful so the show's called Cajun Catholics and I like to really recognize the, the good Cajun Catholics in your life that really have led you to this point you mentioned your Garcia sponsor who, who was that and his name is Jesse Laverne, Jay Laverne. He's married to a, a beautiful woman named Anita. They have seven children together. When we met, he had four children, and I was reading uh, offshore in like a little connex box, reading the Confessions of Saint Augustine. Mm. You know, and I was maybe 23, and uh, you know, he never sees anybody. You know, offshore in that. And, you yeah, know, you know, <laughs> yeah you're not, the only guy offshore reading that. I can assure you. Go ahead. It's not common, so it, yeah. we, we struck up a conversation. We both figured out that we, we both loved the Catholic faith. That you know, we were both in the military. That we both had back problems. You know, this, that, and the other. And you know, asked me, "Are you getting married?" Yeah. Uh, are you getting married in church? Well, of course. You know, you know, I believe in the sacrament. And eventually, he wound up, you know, uh, being a lecturer, you know, at, at my wedding. Wow. So, but when I would go and visit him, you know, he lives here in Carapro. When I, when I would go and visit him, his family was that unicorn for me. I mean, they they prayed the rosary together as a family almost daily. They Catholic homeschooled their children. It was just a very loving, beautiful, you know, example of the faith. And every time that, you know, it got to the point to where when, when he would talk to me, he, he could tell whether I was in a state of grace or not, whether I needed wow. confession or not, you know. Well, you know, Preston, I'm so glad you're here, man. I, you know, I, I want to go back to um, what you said about when you guys were both in the, the, the offshore, in the room or whatever. And let's talk about the importance of one man opening up enough to another man. Because if you guys would have, would have postured like, like men do, and talked about the weather or talked about a tool or talked about, you know, you know, um, whatever, you know, but something real surface shallow, that would have never happened, right? And so I often say that the heart of a man is, is the most attractive thing on earth. Talk about the importance of that and how that shaped your development, because that heart is, is what um, inspires your mind to want to thirst for that knowledge of the faith, right? It starts with the heart. It starts with the interior. So let's talk about that a little bit. I have I have really two thoughts on this. You know, I, I'm I'm I was born an extrovert. You know, from the minute I could talk, you know, I had no reservations. Uh, Obviously, from the Marine career. Yeah. Well, no, no. Well, well before that, you know, just as as even as as a, a toddler and infant, I had no anxiety, no fe no fear to, to speak with adults and try and have adult conversations with adults. You know, that's just my personality. So that comes natural to me. You know, uh, being an being uh, really an open book. You know, that's just something I'm innately born with. That's just some a character trait that that God gave me. Mm. You know, but. There's there's other people that that aren't like that. You know, I'm like your typical column, you know, type A, you know, personality. On on the same token, though, you know, there's there's a lot a lot of people that that are a lot more reserved. You know, um, and a lot of times, uh, the enemy will, will use you know uh, fears and reservations, you know, to kind of keep us, you know, yeah. kind of in that corner. But sure. when you when you do have someone, when you can be around someone that that's really open and vibrant about the faith that really isn't afraid to go there to show you their skeleton so to speak well then it lets the other person feel a lot more comfortable about opening up 
like they're yeah. not alone. Right. <laughs> like I'm not the only one with the problems. For I'm sure. gonna share a story with you real quick. So I, uh, I worked the kitchen on the last Casillo, and uh, you worked the front. And I was sitting outside with a, a man I had just met, and uh, I shared with him an experience I had where where the Lord moved me. And you know, when the Lord moves you, you know it's the Lord moving you. And and so I, I asked him point blank because he wasn't saying much, and I said, "Has something like that ever happened to you?" And he shared with me the most beautiful story of an encounter with Jesus. I was in tears. And I looked at him and I said, do you ever share that with anybody? And he goes, you and my wife are the only two people mm. I've ever told about that. And I said, why not? Right? Why not? If, 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 and, and then he, we, I want to talk about spiritual grouping again and that's, uh, in a minute. That's where I'm going with this. But, and I asked him, I said, are you in a spiritual group? Or do you group with guys who share the faith and can hold each other accountable? And he said, yeah. I said, do you ever share that brokenness with those guys? And he goes, man, now that you think about it, I'm normally the one that they share brokenness with. Mm-hmm. I said, they, they probably feel alone. But, you know, it, it, like they're the only ones that have problems. Well, three days later after the retreat, he, he called me and he said, I want to share something with you. He said, one of my brothers called me and I took your advice. And, and it wasn't advice. It was just something that I do. And I, he said, I opened up about some trouble I'm having at home. And he said, my brother started crying. And he said, I thought, I, was the, I thought you had it all together. I thought I was the only one that had problems. Wow. Talk about the importance of that in your life. Uh, it's, it's very important. On, on two prongs, like first, you know, even as a parent or, uh, or someone trying to, to relate to even, even a, a group of spiritual brothers, unless you're really truly humble and raw and honest and don't sugarcoat anything, they're not going to pay close attention. It's just, just kind of like surface level. But the minute you get raw and you show them who you really are without fear of reservation, well, you're showing them your heart. You know, you, you look at Paul whenever, whenever Paul wrote anything. He, he, he opened up just about everything with, you know, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm this, I'm that, and the other. And then later on in Paul's career, you know, as the letters get later and later in date, you know, um, well, I'm, I'm the least among saints. So, you know, but he still, he always opened up recognizing and showing everyone, look, I'm just as human, just as frail, just as flawed, just as broken as you. And, and until we do that, you know, it's really hard for someone to really take seriously what we're saying is not just religious platitudes or whatever. Right. The other part is whenever someone does that to you um, when someone's that kind of open and that kind of raw and honest in front of you within well, it, it truly is helps you to, to liberate yourself because again you know Satan wants us to keep all of this in to be isolated in that sure. corner to to have this fake ID that I'm this I'm that I'm not worthy I'm, I'm unforgivable you know all, all these lies that he, he wants to give us you know any identity other than son of God you know the, the dignity that we have when we're baptized so as long as we believe that lie, as long as he can keep us in that isolation, you know, he's, he's got us where he wants us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it's, it's kind of the same reason, you know, you, you'll go to confession, you know, open your heart and give all your sins to Jesus. You leave five, ten minutes later, you, you feel like complete crud, like you never went to confession. Well, that's because we still believe a lie. We, we're not accepting that dignity. All right, that mercy. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm so many thoughts. You know, I think of the Bible story of the putting the lamp under the bushel basket, you know, talking about your friend there. Kevin, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think, uh, you know, you're from Lake Arthur, and that's a fishing and hunting community to me. You know, that's uh, right along the line of the apostles. Uh, and then you're living in Richard, the home of Charlene Richard. I mean, you're walking in Jesus' footsteps already, you know. So tell me, one of the questions I want to ask you today, you're into your faith, your theology in a big way. What is something that you've learned in the last, you know, 
month or so and even in the last few weeks that that you didn't know about the faith uh, something that really stuck it st- sticks out to you Right now, I'm, I'm uh, doing the, the consecration of St. Joseph in the uh, Father mm, Colony, right? Uh, right on. And yesterday was uh, day 16 where I'm at. And Ooh, day 16, <laughs> he talks about how um, the word that, that was used in the Aramaic and the Greek um, that can, can be translated as divorce, but it could also be translated in different ways. And he had spoken, you know, even some of the mystics, because I've read Mary of uh, Agreda and, and Catherine Emmerich, but, but how when St. Joseph learned that mary was pregnant with the messiah you know he felt completely unworthy you know to, to be part of that and wanted to leave not out of shame that you know she was pregnant for someone else or or any any kind of immoral reason but out of humility he didn't want to get in the way of what god was trying to do you know and that that was something that really uh but the way the way that father Calloway developed it and you know the, the quotes of all the saints that he had used it, it it really stuck with me and caused me to look at it you know, completely different. Kevin, you know, this is something that, I don't know, through prayer recently has come to me, like, through all these great Cajun Catholics, but we're all deep in our faith, and we're digging, and we're learning things about the faith that are just amazing. I have, for sure, this week for me, and it's 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 a little nugget for everyone, and it, it's obedience, and it's the Word, and it's that action from Chrysia on the tripod, but it's being able to impart those little things to maybe somebody who's not a theologian, just like you spoke to. I think you, you know, you really uh, sp- speak to me and speak to others over that little nugget you picked up. For me this week, it was I, I just finished uh, "Behold Your Mother" by Tim Staples, <clears throat> and the part of the Catholic doctrine that Mary did not suffer through labor, Mm-mm. you know, and I did not know that, you know, and I think most people maybe don't know that, and it, and it's how it was a supernatural delivery, and she she remained a virgin even after the delivery, mm-hmm. and and how that whole whole birth was supernatural. But Cal, Kevin, how about you? Well, you know, I'm a big fan, uh, especially right now because I'm I'm. I read it and then I reread it, so it's like uh, you know when I start reading Saint Louis Marie de Montfort, it, it's it's like you know if I can get through the tears of reading a page, I have to go back and read it again. And he talks about God creating three worlds, right? The one world the, for the wayfarer, which is the world we live in, and then he created paradise for the blessed, right? For the blessed, for for all the saints up there, and then he created a third world, and it was Mary. He named her Mary, and it was, and she was the world for the word she carried the word and and if as catholics if we can if we can quiet our hearts long enough to contemplate how special she is and and what god thought about her to you know this is a woman who never sinned and pj preston talk talk a little bit about uh, I know you have a devotion to Mary, and I know that uh, I'm going to I'm going to tell I'm going to brag on you a little bit. Preston has written some blog posts that are pretty impressive, and you talked about your struggles in the beginning with the Rosary and how it affected you interiorly and spurred you to to really have an affinity and affection of a devotion to Mary. Can you and talk hold, a little bit about that? Hold that thought. I want to remind our listeners you're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Mr. Preston Gary. He is from Richard, Louisiana and a fellow Cursiesta, and uh, just a real blessing to have him on the show today. Go ahead, and I'll, I'll let you take off. Well, Mary's probably uh, <clears throat> the biggest impetus for for the change, for the spiritual growth that I've had. Uh, I'll give you a, a little background on how this started. I made Cursio, or began my Cursio in 2008, but didn't really do a lot with it. My whole entire goal for the next six years was just trying to stay in sanctifying grace, 
no no real growth mm-hmm. and you know I struggled mightily going through the motions me and my sponsor and my best friend uh, Jay Laverne were going to uh, to Dallas for a Saints game you know uh, a game the Saints lost a terrible fake game. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's um, a whole nother story but on the way there we decided we were going to listen to spiritual talks so we had like the little lighthouse media CDs the St. Joseph Communications and we listened to uh, Father Larry Richards Matthew Kelly things like that and it really lit a fire in me because that, that was the first time, you know, I'd read, but that was the first time audio, like, I'd listened to lectures like sure, that. Sure, sure. Right? And it, that set me just on a warpath to where when I got back home, uh, I went to every church in Acadiana looking for Lighthouse Media and St. Joseph's CDs, and I grabbed every <laughs> single one I could find. Then I went online and did the same thing. And, you know, I wound up with, you know, 1,500, 2,000 different lectures and Bible studies. You know, you can go to Scott Hahn's website and you know, download whole courses. You can buy Brent Petrie's semester of lectures, right? Well, one of these lectures that I had was a, a Father Michael Gately, where, where he gives a talk on the second greatest story ever told. And he's got a great book about it, too, and a great DVD series that he did with the Dustin Institute. But in it, he talks about how when he was in college, someone gave him St. Louis de Montfort's a consecration to Mary. And whenever he made that consecration, like, she took over and it completely changed his life. Well, by this time, I'm going to group, and, you know, you make certain commitments to your party, like this many rosaries a week. And week after week, I'm telling my spiritual brothers, you know, I, I did not reach this commitment. Well, they know where I live, and they know where I work. So they <laughs> said, you know, well, what's your, what's your commute like? And, well, my commute's 45 minutes to one hour, you know, each way. Why don't you turn your radio off and use that time to pray your rosary? You know, it's disposable time, you know. You kill two birds with one stone. You're making a sacrifice of the radio, too. Right. And, I mean, at that time, you know, I was a gigantic football fanatic. You know, I played fantasy football. had, like, 15, 16 fantasy teams. You know, I used to write about the Saints, you know, just really into football. And then I had to ask myself, you know, am I really worshiping God or am I worshiping football? And so I canceled my satellite radio and I started praying my rosary on the way home. Hmm. Well, I also discovered, and I, I bought the book when I, when I made Crisille, um, but The Dollar's Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich. Jesus, uh, she was a great mystic and visionary. He gave the gift of vision to where it was like she was five feet away from him, you know, from the Last Supper all the way through the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. And when she would see something, she would see, you know, the past, the present, and the future of something. So like the chalice that Jesus used when he, when he instituted the Eucharist was the same chalice that Melchizedek used when he offered sacrifice. Right. Or wow. when the ark came to rest that Noah used. You know, the upper room, she would see the history of the upper room and whether it was still here or not. From her visions, they found uh, Mary's house. You know, just incredible things. When she would see a person, she'd be able to see into that person's heart. So like when Jesus is discussing with Pilate, you know, she can see the interior dialogue Pilate's having, the thoughts that he's having, the war that's going on in his mind, right? Just all these little connections. And it's the same thing with, with uh, Venerable Mary of Agreed of the Mystical City of God, that four-volume work. Y- you get all this background, so it takes your, your mysteries. For example, my Sorrowful Mysteries all of a sudden went from like a kindergarten level to a PhD yeah. level. Because if you've never been in the habit of praying a rosary or any kind of de- devotion or spiritual practice, you're going to suck at it. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to. In all humility, you're supposed to. <laughs> right? right? But, you know, I think G.K. Chesterton said, you know, anything worth doing is worth doing badly. So if you commit to sucking at it, you know, after, after a, a month, you're going to suck a little bit less. God's going to give you grace t- to get better at it. You know, and then after a year, all of a sudden, your PhD level in the Sorrowful Mysteries because of this, this great dollar's passion for Lord. You know, get Tim Staples' book on the Luminous Mysteries and boom, and that drags them up to another level. Mm-hmm. You know, next thing you know, you know, I'm being asked to pray rosaries at funerals. You know, right, I'm, I'm, right. Leading, I'm leading 80 men in the kitchen. You know, I mean, just it 
completely took over. So when I consecrated myself to Mary, you know, all these things happened, and all of a sudden, my life began to bear fruit. Mm. You know, um, that's the word I was waiting for. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew fruit was coming because I can see it in you, and 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 it, and it's inspiring. And and uh, I often tell people that praying that rosary and Mother Mary saved my life on a regular basis. And even more importantly. You know, we there's you know Saint Louis Marie de Montfort gives give several ways to pray the Rosary and different ways to um, utilize the the weapon that it is against evil. And to me, there is no better way. You know, you can pray it by just sticking to the prayers, but to be able to to recite, read, reflect on each mystery and what it means. You know, Jesus, you know, on, on the sorrowful mysteries. Um, you know, the scourging of the pillar. Jesus endured that pain for us. There's something to reflect on for 10 Hail Marys. And, and how can you not just fall in love with Jesus whenever you, you, you meditate on that? I, well, I, lo- I love St. Louis de Montfort. I, I, I like to combine his methods. So, like, before, before I began a mystery, I probably spend 10, 15 minutes reciting aloud, you know, everything that I know about the mystery, right? Then you know, I'll pray the Our Father. Before I start a Hail Mary, I go to my scripture rosary book, and uh, you know, in the scripture rosary uh, book, there'll be a, a verse of scripture, then there'll be a meditation on that verse, and then there'll be a prayerful response to that verse. Then you pray the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. While I'm praying the Hail Mary, when you get to the pivot point, Jesus, thy womb, Jesus, mm-hmm. there's a one liner that that is tied to each Hail Mary that brings you right back to, to the mystery. So thy womb, Jesus, who was stripped of his clothes. Beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. so it just takes. Sometimes, you know, a rosary can become a chore, you know, sometimes instead of a gift. You know, you want it to be a gift to your mother. Mm. Sometimes, you know, at the end of a long day, you know, you don't have the mental energy to really go into it. And so if, if all, you, all you can give is a short rosary, that's all you can give. You know, God understands. You're still giving something out of filial love. He knows you know. But whenever, whenever it can't be something beautiful, you know, especially when, when you're praying with other people, you know, uh, Instead of making a 15-minute rosary, make it an hour rosary and have really deep, beautiful meditations. You know, it just takes it to another level. You, you enter into the mysteries. You know, St. Louis said, you know, a rosary w- without meditations, is, it's like a body with no soul. Mm. You know, so really the fruit, the most fruit comes from, from being able to enter into those meditations and yeah. put yourself there. I majored in sucking. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so when I came out of Curcia, the I had never said a rosary in my life. I'd gone to Catholic school. But the day after Curcia, I said, I have got to keep this feeling. Whatever this is, I want more of it. And and I started saying a rosary, and I didn't know how to say a rosary, but I knew enough to do 10 Hail Marys and an Our Father. And so when my friends began to meet us in the Adoration Chapel and pray the rosary individually, not out loud, I would always finish way before them, and they're like, what are you, how are you, how, what are you doing over there? And, I, and I'm saying it wrong. I said it wrong for years. I skipped all the other prayers that go with it. And, and so I, I would say I'm saying this for our listeners because, uh, you know, right here, Preston is an expert at, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's very advanced in his spirituality when it comes to the rosary. He's, and, and he's described some fantastic things that I feel like we can take away. At the same time, those of you who don't say a rosary, our, our listeners, don't feel like you got to do it perfect. It's okay to do it mm. wrong. You know, just start to begin to pray. 
and and all those little things will, will fill in for you they say don't say a rosary pray a rosary it's taken me years to get to the point where i pray a rosary versus say a rosary so anyway that's yeah and you know what i'm gonna echo that you know a lot of times i can get into that um that mental um exhaustion at the end of the day and and i you know i guilt comes over me if i go a day without saying praying my rosary it just it just happens and and sometimes all i can do is meditate on the rhythm of the rosary just the hail marys and just saying them the same way over and over not adjusting and just the the rhythm of the rosary can put me into a contemplative state where um i'm not thinking of anything you know and 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 uh and and like i said god knows that we know and sometimes that's enough really always that's enough you know, a lot, a lot of the times we, we fall into a trap to where we, we're Martha and we're not Mary. You know, we want to do instead of be. You know, um, I used to struggle with, once these rosaries became, uh, you know, with very long meditations, you know, it was very difficult for me to finish it in an hour, like on my, my way home from work. You know, and I'd, I'd be very upset that I wouldn't finish the rosary. You know, but that's the completely wrong thought to take because if you go back to St. Louis de Muffet, you go back to... Now they'll tell you, you know, it's a lot better to enter deeply, you know, into into one mystery than to pray a hundred rosaries without meditating. Mm-hmm. So if in a forty-five minute, you know, one-hour drive, you, you can only do two mysteries of the rosary, but you enter very deeply, like you do them very well. That's a lot better than than saying, "Hey, man, I completed a rosary. Today. Let's check that list off the box." You know, it's it's a rosary is really a tool. You know, it's it's a tool to have an encounter with God, and if the tool gets you to God. Don't leave that encounter that, that, like to finish, like to finish this task, right, 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 right? You know what I'm saying? So if, if it gets you to that encounter, you know, don't be in a hurry to, oh, man, i got to start this next mystery in boom, 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 boom. You know, no, just it's better to be with God. Right? Just loving our conversation, and it's flown by so fast because you guys are just deep, and it's beautiful. Uh, just a couple of minutes left on the show, so uh, take it where you will. Um, Kevin, I know you've been looking, looking. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, you wrote so much stuff, and like I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to narrow down what it is that I want to get your thoughts on. You, you mentioned Saint Paul earlier, and uh, and he's patron saint, one of the patron saints of the Crucial movement, right? Um, saint Paul had had an unbelievable burning bush, white light conversion experience, but then he went away for three years. Right. Talk about what what that was what that was like. I I, I found it fascinating to 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 um, you know I'm just echoing what you said. He didn't stop. The experience of of Jesus moving him wasn't enough. It 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 made him want so much more. Well, if if you go back to to, to the scripture uh, in Acts when when Paul's knocked off the source, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And instinctively, intuitively. Paul knew that God was speaking to him. You know, what rocked his world was when Jesus said, me, why do you persecute me? And what came from that is Paul's theology, theology uh, you know, the Pauline theology of the mystical body, how in each, each one of us, you know, a Christian in, in a state of sanctifying grace, you know, we're, we're a tabernacle for God. You know, how, how God works through us. You know, we, we give our assent, we give our yes. You know, and the more in grace that we are, the more God is growing in us. But just like, you know, when we were discussing earlier, uh, each of us had made Crisio, and it took us a little while to process that. You know, it took Paul three years to go from the indoctrination that he had. Paul, Paul was, 
Gamaliel was the greatest Pharisee, you know, probably ever. I mean, the greatest rabbi probably ever. And even most rabbis, contemporary rabbis today, will, will say Gamaliel was the greatest rabbi. Um, Paul was his greatest student, mm. you know. Um, and the, the thing about Paul, if you remember Resurrection Sunday, whenever Jesus is uh, on, on the road to Damascus, or, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Damascus, uh, right? Um, the way that he, he gives this Bible study to this, these disciples is he goes through the Old Testament and he shows how as Messiah he completed and fulfilled everything. Well, Paul was so great at converting a lot of Pharisees because he, he used the same, he showed exactly how Jesus fulfilled each prophecy, boom, 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 because he knew the scripture so well. Right, right. Which, you know, again, just goes to stand to reason why, you know, your knowledge of the faith is so impressive. Yeah, so thank you for sharing here. your theology. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you've touched me and I know you've touched our listeners and I hope you'll come back soon. Bring a guest. Uh, you've been listening to Cajun Catholics. Today's guest is Mr. Preston Gary. Thank you for being on the show. Uh, You'll be in my prayers. As always, we challenge you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.